0: And welcome to Jamestown. I am your titular host, James Huffman. And with me this week is a very special guest, J.P. McDaniel. J.P., how are you, buddy? I am doing well, James. How are you doing? I'm doing just great. I just had some tater tot casserole, uh, which, if if you remember, at uh, my wedding was mentioned twice in our vows. Uh, still going true. strong with that. <laughs> yeah, um, that's good. For, <laughs> for those who don't know, um, J.P., uh, also known as it me jp is a twitch streamer who also hosts the D D show Roleplay and the Drop Frames podcast. Uh, and you've been doing this whole Twitch streaming stuff for since basically the beginnings of streaming in general. And so I kind of wanted to dive into the past because we I, I was around those days as well in the justin tv days and the early twitch days around like starcraft 2 and stuff and that's kind of where you got um your big your big start and all that stuff so i kind of wanted to dive into that and reminisce about all that stuff so um how did how did you officially get into like broadcasting in general because whenever i first saw you, you were doing the state of the game stuff and that's where i first it got introduced to you, but I, um, I don't know how you got into something like that.
1: Sure. Um, before State of the Game, which was the StarCraft II podcast, I did a podcast called ArenaCast, which was a WoW PvP-centric podcast. Um, and that was just kind of a learned process. I, I wanted to learn how to um, podcast in general. So uh, I just had Audacity running, which is just like a very bare bones, still used today, uh, both by myself and I think a lot of people, but it's just a pretty bare bones audio software. And we would uh, host everything through a Skype call, just record it locally and then push it out over the internet. And we had it locally, uh, or rather we had it hosted on a server. Um, and it was, it was kind of, I mean, things like what we're using to record here, Zencaster and and SoundCloud didn't really exist back then. So we had a, a friend of mine who was able to host things that now works at Blizzard um, host it for us on his uh, bandwidth and it was something it was something crazy at one point of like a hundred thousand uh views or a hundred thousand uh listens i guess is what you would say uh, per episode at one point oh um, wow how, we, how did you like get
0: the word out about it
1: it was definitely just one of those things that the people that were on the show were kind of the big names in pvp um and so it was right around the beginnings of kind of XSplit. Or not not XSplit. Um, what was that thing called? Well, it was a streaming service that Daniel uh, Thresh... Wong, I think it was Daniel Wong was his name. Thresh was an old Quake guy. He started a streaming platform whose name I'm completely forgetting right now. But it was before Twitch and, and before Justin or around the same time as Justin. But mm-hmm. the people that streamed on there were a bunch of WoW people. Uh, and they were some of the bigger... While streamers. And so uh, when I would start with that, I was also kind of working with MLG a little bit because um, I'd worked for a website called gotfrag.com, which was a big um, CSGO and, and esports general uh, website. And I'd written a couple of articles for them. And so from GotFrag being acquired by MLG, they bought uh, GotFrag out, um, I want to say 2010 ish, 2011 ish um that kind of led to connections at mlg mlg started doing wow arena tournaments uh i started kind of being uh some i didn't i wasn't on-air talent for it but it was definitely the the thing of i kind of worked around and i covered the scene a little bit in terms of a journalist with uh, people like slasher who was my boss uh at one point and a co-worker at another um and an old friend by the name of oplad who i worked at a Another website called Amped Esports, which turned into the World Series of Video Games, uh, bought them out. And so I was hosting Star- or sorry World of Warcraft stuff for them. And MLG and the World Series of Video Games were always a little bit of a competitor. Um, and so when WSVG closed shop, I kind of started going over to MLG and covering those events. And then eventually started working with people behind the scenes there. And then uh, in doing so, StarCraft 2 was about to hit. I remember the beta started one weekend before a big MLG event, and we decided that we wanted to start doing show matches. Uh, and right around that time, I decided to, uh, to do State of the Game. So that right. kind of led in all that stuff. So, so you were just kind of like to... throwing yourself
0: around like all these different sites, trying to just like get your foot in the door?
1: Somewhat, yeah. And, and a lot of it was that I was able to use different names to kind of open those doors so at one point it was like you know i've worked for gotfrag i've done a bunch of uh grunt work as i called in as people called it just like data implementation back in the day Mm -hmm. of being up at 2 a.m and reporting on you know counter-strike tournaments that were happening in europe or in asia somewhere and, and entering those scores into the back end so i kind of made a name myself uh name for myself there and then ultimately it was just kind of catching the right um ears of, of the right people, uh, at places like MLG, um, and, and trying to appear as, as professional as possible, which was an odd thing back then. Uh, one of my favorite people at MLG was, or is a guy by the name of Adam Apicella. And he's the type of guy that, uh, very, very loyal and, and, and trust loyalty and everyone that works for him. And I remember being in an MLG once, um, uh, Back before State of the Game even existed, and and before any of that, this was around kind of the early World of Warcraft days, and I would always wear. I don't do this anymore, but back then I would always wear a suit, and I didn't. I didn't have a reason to wear a suit. I just <laughs> would wear a suit because uh, it would, you know, it would appear yeah, to look professional. Yeah, and so I remember wearing a suit in production row, which is kind of the the area where all the it's production roads where all the production happens. And Adam uh, was the event coordinator and still is at MLG. So he's kind of the guy that runs everything. And I remember he walked up to me and he says, Who the fuck are you and why are you wearing a suit? And I explained to him who I was and why I was wearing the suit. And he goes, Okay. And he kind of laughed. And that kind of started the relationship. And I still talk to Adam all the time right now. But people like Adam and, and people like Lee Chen and, and um, Jason Bass, who owns a uh, complexity. Um, and then Sir Scoots back then, uh, who's another esports Counter Strike guys. Those are definitely names that I kind of was able to use to to get my uh, foot in the door in a bunch of different places, and it kind of just led from one thing to another. And then we started the whole StarCraft scene, and State of the Game kind of took off, and and we started casting StarCraft Two and and all that nonsense with uh, with Day Nine back in the day. So
0: yeah, that's it's always so interesting the the early day because there's like phases of esports. Throughout time, where you know have like the the, the Quake days, and then like the StarCraft Brood War stuff, and then uh, StarCraft Two kind of started like what you would might call like the modern era of of your esports, where there's people are streaming and stuff like that. And so, right, w- uh, what what was it like to like start putting yourself out there as a StarCraft Two personality?
1: I don't think we, at least I, didn't think of it as anything at the time. I mean, really the only people that had a name for themselves in the world of, you know, shoutcasting or, or broadcasting, the idea that a, a person could be a host wasn't a thing that really existed around that time. Right. It kind of did, but they were more uh, a generalist rather than a proper host. Yeah, just um, someone who's just going to
0: go out there look pretty and like announce some stuff and then that's it.
1: Right, right. Uh, and so there was only a handful of casters uh, at the time. DJ Wheat was one of them. Uh, Red Eye was definitely one of them. Uh, Artosis and Tasteless definitely existed. Um, but they weren't as big as they were, obviously, when StarCraft II kind of kicked off. Um, and, and there were a, a, just a sprinkling of other broadcasters that didn't necessarily have a big name yet. Um, it's it's definitely not as many as there are today. I mean, each, each game right now in terms of an esport has... 20 to 30 different broadcasters, all of right. varying skill and levels and, and tiers and all that What's uh, nonsense. So uh, it was definitely a lot different back in the day, for sure, in terms yeah. of like you were just kind of a generalist. You had to know as much about the game as everyone else, regardless of what your actual role was.
0: Right. And then I, I remember um, I went to two of the MLG Dallas's uh it would have been like 2012 and 2013 i believe right and i remember i remember it one i don't know if it was a dallas one I, I, one of them didn't they make you cast some of the games
1: um i'm trying to remember i mean i definitely casted a lot of games uh back in the day we we started with the mlg showcase series and i'm trying to think what was the first starcraft 2 event it was probably like like MLG Charlotte or something like that. Maybe not Charlotte. I don't know. I definitely casted for a while there. Um, Then as kind of the scene started to get bigger and bigger. um, And we got more and more talent of of varying skills. Definitely people that were better than me. um, I kind of started to shift into the producer uh, role. We still kept doing state of the game um, in terms of my podcast, but in terms of working for MLG, it was definitely like a show host and producer type that was the actual title that was uh, was tied to me when I went full-time at MLG. Um, yeah, it
0: definitely seemed like, uh, I don't know, we've got JP here. Let's just throw him out to cast because we don't have anyone else.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and a lot of that just started with, you know, I was already on payroll. So <laughs> it, they didn't have to pay. And right. I was already there. Um, and so it was kind of... Uh, nice for MLG in the sense that it wasn't extra money that they had to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and not like you we, were bad at it. Yeah. Let, I mean, I enjoyed it. it. I think everyone has an opinion on, on who they want to listen to and, and they should have an opinion on who they want to want to listen to. And, and I kind of from MLG, we went to uh BlizzCon and I ended up casting BlizzCon and that was kind of the moment where I was like, all right, well uh, this is for me, this is the biggest of the big. I don't really necessarily enjoy doing this anymore um, in terms of being this much uh, of a spotlight or having this much as a spotlight. Uh, and so that kind of facilitated the producer slash uh, host role a little bit better uh, mm-hmm. and started pushing me down that line. But yeah, it was a lot of fun casting back in the day. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was the
0: wild west of eSports back then. Like people yeah. were just saying and doing shit and you had a uh, uh, freaking DJ. We just announced uh, Live on 3 is coming back, which yep. I thought was hilarious and it made me... Uh, <laughs> Go back and watch, um, God, the famous clip where he, he freaks out on Destiny and his PJs, right? <laughs> as they right. were lamenting the, or trying to figure out how to save StarCraft Two.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. Th- those were definitely uh, emotionally fueled days for sure. Because everyone was, and still is, the, that's in the the esports world is, is super passionate, right? So mm-hmm. anyone that kind of infringes on that or. or starts to to even have a conversation about it's going to be just as passionate so
0: yeah and so like as like starcraft 2 started dying or not dying but you know like kind of losing popularity to stuff like league of legends and dota Mm -hmm. was there ever a point where you were unsure of like your next move like were you because you started like doing some variety streaming if i remember correctly i would see like your name on the sidebar on team liquid um, right. were you, were you like trying to figure out if you wanted to do that full time? Like, could you do it full time and like actually make money or like, did you want to go more to like the scoots route where you're a producer, that type of stuff?
1: A lot of that stuff kind of just happened because it was, you know, I, I don't think anyone ever thought that you could be a full time streamer back then. Right. I know I definitely didn't. Um, I think that you would see like big viewership and big, big viewership back then was like a thousand or 2000 viewers. Um, and, and it didn't really start to actually, the idea of it being a full-time job was not something that people thought. As, as, compared mm-hmm. to today, it was night and day. Like now people look at you know streamers and say like, oh, well, so-and-so is making X amount of money per year, blah, blah, blah. Back then it was like, hey, this guy's streaming Skyrim. Let's go see what he's doing in Skyrim because I'm, I'm playing Skyrim right now as well. Uh, it, it wasn't the idea of like, holy crap, this person's making that much money. And it certainly um, wasn't
0: like variety streaming was like not a thing back then. Like, if you're watching streaming, right. you were like watching like Destiny play Starcraft 2 or like Idra or something. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. It, it was you were watching the pros play or you're watching like Manverse Game was probably the, right. one of the first variety and dance gaming was as well. But most of it was like esports or you're watching like Tally play WoW. Uh, and that was it, it, was definitely nowhere near what it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, in, in terms of to go back to your original question, uh, in terms of like what I had planned to do, there was a couple times I'm trying to think back to what year it was. It, it would have been around the time that kind of Starcraft 2 started to decline.
0: Like around like 2013 or something, right? Yeah. 2014.
1: Yeah, something like that. It it definitely started with, um, you know, a storm and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was definitely times where I was like, well, maybe I'll go back to writing. Maybe I'll see if I can become, you know, write for, I am a huge giant bomb fan. I was a huge one up, uh, one com fan. Uh, and I definitely sent in like different, uh, clippings to them to, to see if they were interested at all and, and, uh, potentially hiring like an editor or something like that. Um, it didn't, uh, luckily it didn't turn into anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that, that, obviously close those doors and open up other doors at the same time. But um, when I left MLG, which was around, it, it was the decision that the place where I was living was Galveston, Texas. And that was this, one of the MLG kind of satellite studios is what they called it. And they were basically closing up shop and they wanted me to either move to New York or they weren't going to be able to, you know, facilitate keeping me on the payroll, et cetera. Um, and I had spent a month in New York Uh, at one of the MLG arenas or leading up to one of the MLG arenas back in the day. Um, And I just, I wasn't a fan. It's not, Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in Texas. (laughs) It's a completely different life uh, back in New York for sure. And it's not something that I was accustomed to. Um, And so I basically just said, yeah, uh, I'm going to go another way. Didn't really have any plans at the time. Um, I mean, Twitch was definitely a thing and I could definitely like garner an audience there, but it was never the idea of like, well, I hope this can work full time. Um, and so I ended up moving back or moving to Dallas, uh, lived with a friend in Dallas, Texas, uh, instead of moving back home. Um, and that was around the time, uh, that role play started, uh, was, I want to say February, 2013. Was uh, it really
0: that, that old? I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we crossed six years today of, uh, how long role play was. Oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah. Um, and it, it was definitely the type of thing where for two or three months, I wasn't doing anything like state of the game is kind of on and off. Um, I'd kind of lost interest in it and, and people lost interest in listening to it. Um, obviously we still had like diehard fans that every single week were clamoring for more, but, um, the main viewership for it definitely started to die down. Um, and then we started doing role play stuff and, um, I jumped up into kind of the, the top tier of of subscribers on twitch out of nowhere um because of the way that we handled our vods uh in terms of having to uh subscribe to the channel in order to watch the vods or, or wait a couple days on youtube um yeah so, i'm, I'm yeah.
0: interested in like the, the role play stuff because i it's not uh any of like the content that i've personally like interacted with your stuff i'm just not a huge D guy right but were you always like a big dnd person like growing up or like throughout college and stuff
1: No, it was definitely one of those things where it was just like we were bored. And I I played D&D once uh, when my uh, I think I was I might have been like a freshman in high school. My brother, uh, who's seven years older than me, was working. He worked at a GameWorks and his boss was starting up. I think this was around D&D 3.5, third edition. um, And they were starting up a game and my brother was kind of talking about it because they'd gotten the books and i saw the books and said oh this looks cool blah 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 and he says well do you want to come play with us And i said sure i'll try it Uh, i went to one session and it was just not that fun uh i did not enjoy it um
0: that's interesting because i i started um i joined like a a, some of my friends' um campaign and i didn't really enjoy it either like it it just didn't seem to like grip me at all so
1: right it was, yeah i i'm not sure what what grabbed me with role play. it was it was the idea of like hey uh you know we're bored what do you guys want to play D and it was myself uh jeff uh ryan uh who i met through mlg he used to be an mlg admin um he was kind of the guy that ran the um world of warcraft and then eventually the starcraft 2 tournaments he was the head admin for that stuff head ref, I should say. So he was the guy that, you know, was telling players where to go sit and, and kind of running mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, and then uh, Jen, who I was dating at the time, uh, and Neil, who w- literally we had never met before, and we just tweeted out like, hey, you know, we're one to play d and Is there anyone out there that would DM for us? Uh, and he, he messaged us, and, and that was kind of a way we went. Hmm. And so,
0: because you're also doing... Um... Just regular streaming kind of around the same time, right? Uh, like when you're not doing role play, you're kind of streaming?
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it was the, it, and it kind of always has been that there's been a balance between the two shows. Back when it first started, there, I wasn't on a set schedule. The idea of a set schedule was not something that was really thought about by streamers. Um, yeah,
0: no one does that. Yeah. A lot of people still don't even do that totally, on Twitch totally, now.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It, the, the perks of the job is that there is no, you know, there's no one telling you to work at X amount at, at X time. You can kind of just work whenever you want to. Um, and so that was the way I handled it for a very long time up until probably 2015 or 2016. Um, and so, yeah, when, when we weren't doing role play stuff, if there was a game out that I wanted to play. I would play it um if there wasn't a game out then i would kind of just do whatever um and and that's just how that that worked and luckily the balance worked for those years uh until we decided to change things up
0: right and and so obviously like there's this is like a, a, a kind of a big change in terms of lifestyle in terms of like you're the face of this big new show you're your face is, you know, on a screen for other people to watch for eight hours a day. It's like a super abnormal thing compared to like normal life. Um, Was there like any growing pains in terms of like getting used to that? Or like, do you have to like grow like a super thick skin? Uh, Anything, anything like that?
1: I think that uh, you definitely have to have like the right mentality for it, but you're not sure what that mentality is until, you know, you're doing it right. Like Mm -hmm. I, I think, when I first started broadcasting, the idea that people were going to uh, take what was happening on stream and take what was happening in terms of the shoutcasting and how I was broadcasting and, and all that nonsense and and form an opinion on it and then let you know that opinion was definitely a weird thing. Uh, to, in today's day and age, like Twitter and social media are the norm, right? So that's, yeah. I uh, that is not something I I think people put too much thought into. But back then, it was definitely it was definitely a weird thing when you started to read comments and, and whatnot on different boards and and see people that were like not super into what you were doing and were very vocal about it. Um, and I think that the more that you do that, the thicker your skin has to be. And you, you have to be okay with people not enjoying what you produce and, and sharing that opinion. And that's just kind of like how the job is. Uh, you right. can't get too heated or get too upset about it. Um, and it's not something that you know, it's not something that you can just flip on a switch and, and be able to do. It's it's definitely a learned thing. Um, I mean, I've been doing this for like ten years almost, and it's still every once in a while someone will get under your skin. If you're having a bad day, one one comment can just kind of set you off. So,
0: yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, it doesn't it doesn't seem to ever go away. Like it, the uh, the uh, the pull of, of Twitch chat. It, you know, sometimes it just. <laughs> It's Twitch chat. It'll get underneath sure. your skin. It'll it'll say something, just that one comment that you'll spot, even though it's among, you know, a hundred of other people that are there just having a good time supporting you. You'll just eye on that one comment and then it'll just set you off, right?
1: Right. Yeah. I, I definitely think for whatever reason, um, streamers develop a, a, the ability to kind of skim through chat. And for whatever reason, the brain will focus on the negative comments and mm-hmm. a field of a thousand positive things said. Um, and that's just kind of something that happens. Uh, I think for uh, most streamers, uh, I would say 99% of streams, the chat is kind of a reflection of the, the streamer and it's kind of an echo chamber for the entire community and, right. and stream, right? Like everyone that's there is like-minded for the most part. And so when someone upsets that balance, it sticks out kind of like a sore thumb. Um, and it's very easy to, uh, to see that when someone is kind of outside of the norm of what you've kind of tried to cultivate. Mm So, yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, but that's just kind of the situation when it comes to streaming.
0: Mm -hmm. And then, so moving on to kind of like modern era, it, me, JP brand, you've got all these different role play shows. You've got a Patreon going for it. You've got drop frames rolling, um, and, and as well as uh, constantly playing Path of Exile. Um, mm-hmm. how, do, how do you feel about your overall position you're at right now? Do you, you've, it certainly seems like you have a very stable, um, you know, group, like an audience that always is tuning in into everything. Do you feel like kind of at peace with where you're at in, in the business?
1: I think the idea for a while there um, was this always kind of, being surprised at the amount of growth that was occurring, at least for me. And I, I think that this happens to a lot of streamers, I would think uh, I've definitely heard similar stories from a handful of different broadcasters. It's it's kind of the idea where, you know, you're you're setting your own schedule and the things that you're doing are continually growing uh, and your sub count is continually growing and you know your viewership is continually growing. And the first kind of big spikes for that to occur. Uh, almost form somewhat of an addiction to like numbers growing and uh, su- being successful and seeing that success always become bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like and a real-life so, clicker. Yeah, yeah. So the second that <laughs> that kind of starts to taper off or normalize or in some cases just start to fall, people, audiences will go other places. There's a billion streams happening every single day. Um, the second that those things start to stagnate a lot of streamers will just kind of see it as like, oh God, like, is this, is this dream going to finally end? Um, And so for a while there on the channel, we were in kind of an always, uh, you know, growing situation, always rising situation. Um, And I would say around, we've been doing, I'm trying to think, the Roleplay Patreon has been there for about three years now. So I'd really say kind of in 2016, uh, midway through 2018 or so, it definitely started to kind of stabilize. Um, and, and at first it was, you know, looked upon as like, Oh God, is this the same thing that I was just saying is, is this, is this the moment? Is this where it starts to drop? But it it started to stabilize in the sense that numbers were kind of always the same. Um, and and that's a little weird and not normal, uh, in the industry. I, I think as time goes on, it will become normal um cuz you know people just kind of stick to what they know and, and stick to the communities that they want to be oh, in and
0: like crazy shit like with t- Twitch Prime and like with the popularities of different games like y- you look at shroud like he had you know like 70,000 subs a few months ago and now he's at like 30,000 like the right. the scale can just tip back and forth so rapidly
1: right i mean it, you can ninja the same way uh ninja right. i think spiked around like 230,000 subs or something like that and now i believe he's around like 20 to 40 or 20 to 30 thousand so it uh it, it's definitely like riding those waves is is important but also like trying to keep your your mind and your community like stable um and so that it doesn't like so that the dips become smaller and smaller and less frequent uh, and so when those spikes do occur you just let it be a spike and you move on cuz you know it's going to kind of go back to normal uh the next month once once all those uh now it's like gifted subs right gifted subs is the new thing so right. once all those gifted subs run out uh it's going to be back to normal so um yeah it, it's definitely become a lot more stable and it's it's uh it's nice to see that but there's still kind of the always ever present fear of like well it's stable but does that mean that tomorrow it's all going to go away right like is right. Is, is this stability uh start going to turn into a decline um and so i think that's something that a lot of streamers uh, whether they're aware of it or not uh will definitely start to uh think about moving forward
0: yeah and and the there's there's every every few months it seems like there's a someone tweets or something about like kind of like the state of streaming or like the mental toll that it can take on a streamer to constantly chase um to constantly be on to never take a break oh if i go away for two days i'm losing subs i'm losing subs and stuff like that um just like as a as a general whole how do you do you think the twitch is okay in the spot right now do you think it's getting better year over year
1: in the sense of
0: the the platform as a whole
1: um yeah, I mean, I, I think more and more things are starting to occur on the platform as a whole, where it is getting better. Um, I think it's—it depends where you're like basing your opinion off of. Is a broadcaster is someone that uses the site every single day to broadcast? I think the platforms getting better. Uh, the, it's getting bigger. It, it's uh, more and more tools are being created, both from Twitch and from other different uh, people around Twitch. Um, the technology is getting better in terms of ways to support streams, uh, both in and around Twitch. Um, but I think from like a viewer perspective and, and depending on where you frequent, what communities you're a part of, it could definitely seem like things are starting to get more corporate or that things are definitely starting to get more confusing in terms of the different, uh, toss rules and all that. Um, but I, I think as a streamer, it's definitely getting better. Um, I mean, viewership is always on the rise. And so that's always a good thing. Um, Competitor wise, like Twitch is above and beyond everyone else. Um, it's very, very difficult times to obviously get started on Twitch. But once you do get started on Twitch, uh, the way that the platform is created with subscribers and all that um, has eyes from YouTube, uh, who is, I would honestly say, kind of a failing platform right now, from my perspective, uh, granted, I'm not Anyone huge over there? Um, In many ways, there are very many problems with YouTube at the moment. Right, right, and that's not to say there's not very many problems with Twitch. I mean, I think any size, any platform of this size is going to have problems. That's just, yeah, that's just how it goes. Uh, it's how it happens. But um, yeah, a lot of big YouTubers are, are, you know, looking at Twitch and thinking, "Oh man, you know, we can actually monetize our viewers more than just watching an ad." And, and I think it has been happening i think it's going to continue to happen where you see a lot of those bigger names start to be more uh relevant on uh, twitch as a platform moving forward for sure um so yeah I, i'm super excited with kind of where twitch is right now um and moving forward i'm i'm excited to see what comes from it and, and see what else is out there
0: yeah from listening to, to drop frames and how you guys like what you guys talk about i feel like each twitch con it seems like they have been listening a lot more in the past couple of years on like implementing things that people have been asking for, for years.
1: Right. Right. And and a lot of that just comes down to, you know, where they want to spend their resources. Um, I I think Twitch has a problem when it comes to, uh, I don't want to say transparency, but it, it has a problem when it comes to the grand task at work, um, and what that actually grand task is occurring, uh, really the only time that people see Twitch doing anything is when it's usually in the negative light when a broadcaster gets banned or right. when, you know, moderation decides to go one way. But what they don't see is the you know, thousands of accounts that are being banned every single day because they're being reported and they go unheard of because you know, that person's not out there on Twitter or social media or Reddit or wherever kind of saying like, hey, I got banned for doing XYZ. Um, and, and not causing, I, I don't want to say drama and dismiss it like that, but not causing drama uh, on other different very uh, like mediums on Twitter and, and, and Reddit and all that. So I think it's in a good place. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm super excited to see what happens this year at TwitchCon.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately live stream fail is just a fucking cesspool at the moment now. It seems like the past few months it's just turned into just not fun anymore. It's just like random clips of streamers. I don't know. And, like weird drama shit you you used to follow live stream filler, right do you still keep up with that shit
1: yeah i think most people most most streamers uh either read or or check live stream fells on a weekly sometimes daily basis uh it, it's a great way to have kind of a pulse on what's going on in the community and what's going on in the platform regardless of what right. actually being said in the comments uh <laughs> you know, it, it, that stuff is is less impactful but the types of clips and the types of conversation that are occurring kind of around the website as a whole. Uh, I think Livestream Fails is a good representation of that. Um, and that's both good and, b- and bad, right? Uh, it, mm-hmm. it It is a subsection of the website that has a ton of different communities on it, but also kind of all the same community as well. Um, and I think it can be used as a valuable tool. I think that there are streamers that have used it as a valuable tool and will constantly be on that website or be on that subreddit. And in doing so, their viewership members will constantly go up because there's so many people that frequent that with subreddit. Um, so right, it I really remember the it.
0: Yeah. The, the girl who um, had Tourette's or whatever, like someone just like posted a clip and then she just like blew up. Like Someone can just post a clip on live sure. stream fail and then they just become super popular instantly. Yeah, And
1: that, that's cool. Like I, yeah, they, oh, absolutely. they do a better job of discovery than Twitch does sometimes. In, in fact, I would say most times um, right? because Twitch is not, from a corporate point of view and a business point of view, Twitch can't really put a spotlight on a lot of that content, but a place like Livestream fails can. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's a cool thing that they definitely have that, that is unique to that platform without a doubt.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I think that'll wrap up the, the, the interview part of all this. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about some games. Sound good. Works for me. And we're back with the second half of the podcast. We're going to talk about some games. Um, I One thing I wanted to ask you about was the Castlevania game, not Castlevania, Ritual of the Night Bloodstained. Uh, that came out yesterday, right? You've played some of it?
1: Uh, did it yeah, either yesterday or maybe it was Tuesday. Uh, yeah, I, I put about uh, five or so hours into it. Uh, that game is basically, I mean it's a castlevania game it's symphony of the night it, it, <laughs> it it's it's that exact game and of course it's that exact game because that's the same person that made castlevania igarashi uh you know that's what he set out to do and i think he nailed it um it definitely has more rpg elements to it which i didn't well oh, that's expect interesting that i was going to enjoy uh but i i am and, and the amount of weapons that are in it is uh is making it a lot of fun e- each weapon that know i acquire i'm always interested to check it out and we kind of swap right as soon as we get that and that's happened about i don't know 15 times now Uh, i think i have around like 30 or 40 different types of weapons and all all that stuff so yeah i'm enjoying it a lot it it seems like a lot of fun
0: it was interesting because i there was kind of a precedent happening for a while with kickstarter games where they would get announced, and they would either not come out, or they would become Mighty Number no. Nine and <laughs> be terrible. Right. And then, when this game first started getting shown at like E3 like two years ago, it was kind of like, "This doesn't look great," and it doesn't look like it controls great. And then, like a couple of months ago, they released a trailer, and they're like, "Oh, we have completely changed the art. Here's the old terrible heart art. Here's the new art." And it seemed like they kind of turned it around and really put it, made it into something that is like a lot of fun to play
1: yeah yeah I, I you know I think the art is you either like it or you really don't like it um, and, and so if you're interested in checking it out like I would weigh in on that. Um, it has some like anime things but it's not super uh, aggressive with it so um, I'm definitely enjoying it. There's also some random things where there's a like the head of a dog. <laughs> Is like an enemy there's also a, a head of a cat that's an enemy and like a giant head of a cat and a giant head of a dog that have like a chain attached to it um, all right you're so selling me that's a little weird um but it's weird in a good way uh, I, i've enjoyed a lot of the monster designs uh, i've only fought three or so bosses i'm not really sure how long are in there or, or how many are in there and i don't know how long the game is i spent like four hours in it and that said it was like 38 percent map completion but it being a castlevania game or, or castlevania ish game there's some uh,
0: upside down castle bullshit it might
1: be 200 percent. yeah like I, I don't know how big that game gets and i haven't as far as i can tell uh from just flipping through to different streams i don't know how big that game gets um i,
0: I would I hope it's time with it something sizable because it's like 40 dollars, isn't it
1: yeah it's a little pricey it's 40 bucks um yeah so i was like ooh, expensive. i
0: don't know that's that's out of like impulse buy territory
1: yeah yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I would say like impulse wise, cadence of Hyrule right now is is the best bang for your buck. Uh, yeah,
0: which I did want to talk to you about because I I finished that this weekend as well. And man, what a what a terrific little thing that that, that guy is.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it's a hell of a thing. Uh, um,
0: for the for those who don't know, the cadence of Hyrule is the crypt of the Necrodancer mixed with Zelda, which is just like a wild and crazy concept to even like have in the first place. Um, but like you you it, it's. What I, I, I looked at it from like the trailers and stuff, I'm like, okay, if it's like not a roguelike, and if there's like actual like dungeons and like an overworld you can explore, then like I'm in because I, I played Necrodancer for a little bit and like kinda got decent at it, but like uh, in the end, like that game's just fucking hard and right. I just like I I, did, I kinda bounced off some of the roguelike stuff. So like I went into the cadence of Hyrule, I'm like, all right, if it's you know, more streamlined like I'm down. And then, like, I started dying, like, a lot in, like, the first, like, five runs I did. Did you have a similar thing?
1: Yeah, the beginning of the game is a little bit different or a little bit difficult. But as soon as you start getting a little bit uh, more hearts and you start to, like, pick up a couple diamonds just from completing the different uh, tiles, it, it starts to almost get too easy. Um, yeah, I definitely felt in. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it-
0: yeah. It was like, I, I died like five times in a row, got a sword, and then I just had a run for four hours. It's like, this is a weird difficulty curve. Did no one playtest this?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The difficulty was a little weird in that. Um, But I I still enjoyed it. Like, oh, even though, yeah, even though it was, I would say easy up until the very end, like the final dungeon definitely has a sharp, sharp difficulty curve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. And, and all that, once I hit that curve, I just kind of went back to the overworld and finished it, which
0: mm-hmm. it
1: didn't feel like an annoying task to do. I enjoyed the finding all the stuff in the overworld. There was nothing that was super um, difficult or, or, or overly annoying uh, when it came to finding all those heart pieces and finding all the different uh, um, skills and, and uh, or not necessarily skills, but uh, tools, equipment, I guess is the best uh, word to use there. Um, and that stuff was fun. Like I enjoyed it. Um, hell yeah.
0: I kind of like went through probably like 75% of like exploration and like clearing everything before I even did like maybe two of the dungeons. And then, so like I went into the final dungeon with like only two hearts pieces missing. So I was just like fully decked out. Like you kind of just get into that zone with the music. And I, I watched the end of your stream one time when you said like, Oh, like that was five hours. What? Like that just like zoomed by. Cause you just get in that groove. Cause the music's so fucking great and you're just bouncing to the rhythm and you're just kind of exploring, um I, I love that it is just free form and open like breath of the wild almost or like link between worlds where you just go wherever you want you can complete whatever dungeon you want in any order like that level of exploration is exactly what i want in a zelda game
1: yeah without a doubt um and i didn't i didn't realize until i started watching some other streams of it but i knew that there was like random seeds but i didn't realize right. that that would actually change the location of each four of the regions um and my game Lost Odds, was bottom right, top left was desert. Top right was, or I get no top right was was desert. Top left was like Song of Storm area, and and bottom left was like the water area. Um, oh wow, I didn't realize it was that different. Yeah, so it completely changes because for you, I'm sure it was completely different, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, and and that's cool. Uh, the fact that you can kind of find those seed numbers and share it with friends uh, is a lot of fun. I know it has co op as well. Um, right. i did not check it out but i i know that that exists um it might be a little bit weird playing that co-op and it might kind of simplify a lot of things but um, i can't imagine playing that with lauren <laughs> yeah 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 oh. you can always try it might, might be, fun. Yes, uh, might be it, she
0: it. she cannot do games where you can die okay uh, because she gets way too frustrated sure so i always have to like try and like so it's either she watches me play, play Resident Evil or she plays stardew or house flipper that, those are the
1: two spectrums. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, she might. The music is like a pretty big pull for this game. I, th- I think most right. people that. Like, if you can listen to that music and enjoy it, you might be able to, like, play that game regardless of how you feel about it.
0: Dude, even the fucking minigame song slaps. I yeah. was just listening to the soundtrack earlier. I was like, damn, this is a good ass song.
1: Yeah, they're, they're all good. And the fact that there's, like, four or five variations of each song from, like, when you when you're playing the game and fighting mobs on the, uh, on the tile, it's like normal. But then when you defeat all of it, it starts to slow down. When he pause it, it like dampens the song and takes out a couple of the instruments. And when you unpause it, those come back. Uh, and so it, it's, it's crazy. Danny B is the uh, composer for all that. Right. Yeah, he a yeah. Hell of a hell of a thing for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, and the last thing I want to say about cadence is, like, uh, I, I hope they get a chance to do a sequel because this seems like such a wonderful foundation, and there's just a wealth of Zelda music and worlds and stuff that they can ape from and like kind of expand on the puzzle design and the dungeon design and kind of give it a little bit more meat on its bones, you know
1: yeah, yeah, I, I hope that the it seems like it's it's doing incredibly well right now, uh, and I hope that Nintendo decides to continue that stuff and you know bring in other IPS I, I think. Mario Brothers would be super fun in there. I think Oh man! even stuff like super outlandish, like a Metroid game would be super cool um, oh, to see man. that stuff work. I haven't um, thought
0: about other series.
1: Yeah. Like any, any <laughs> Nintendo IP uh, would kind of work in that world. Right. right. It would be a lot of fun for, to, to see that stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of finish off some, some of the stuff I've been playing. Um, for those who have listen, been listening to the podcast, I, Finished up Outer Wilds, which I think Cole has talked to you about, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, though. What, what did you think of that? I was watching some other people play it um, this past week, and I'm kind of thinking I need to play that, but there were yeah. a couple of moments where it was a little, like, I don't want to say boring. I don't want to say that. That's so, it's too much negativity in the word boring, but <laughs> it seemed not the best thing to, like, play on a stream.
0: Yeah so I was I was like kind of concerned going into it cuz I like you know saw some of the, the like previews and stuff where it's like oh you go here and you you read some stuff I'm like I don't want to like just sit and read through the logs and all that stuff but like it's totally totally not that game it's right. it, it's so much about that that exploration like cuz you like Breath of the Wild right Right yeah 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 it's it's absolutely about like hey I'm just going to go to that planet I don't know what the fuck's on there. I see, like, a big mountain. I'm going to go check that out. And then you go there and you see some writing and it kind of gives you some clues. And you're like, okay, I kind of understand some of that. And then you go explore, you know, somewhere over here. And it's like, oh, I can't get in here. But the note says, hey, you can go underneath the ground, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's so many different little clues that tell you, like, hey, you can go here and then that'll give you an answer to a puzzle that you couldn't figure out uh, earlier. And so, like, each run has this wonderful it's like okay i'm gonna go here and explore and see what i can find and if i find something cool awesome if i don't i'll just die and then i can just restart over again
1: huh okay yeah i might have to check that out maybe i'll i'll play that off stream or something like that
0: it is totally just like a chill just like sit back go fly somewhere and like the visuals of it are just phenomenal like just some of the things that they put in there are so creative and cool Um, Yeah, like it's like one of my favorite games of the year and like past few years, even like I'm such a sucker for exploration and discovery. And like it does it in such a like smart way where it feels like you're discovering on your own. Right. And there's like no handholding or anything like the, the only way to beat the game is you have to like put together like three of these like main pieces of information and then like go. Excuse me. And go and like do like this crazy run. And uh, it was like the most satisfying thing I've, I've ever played uh, this year.
1: Huh? I might check that out. Yeah. Co, Co spoke pretty highly of it. I know uh, bike man was saying that was his kind of game of the year. And I know a lot of people are, are speaking super highly of it. So
0: yeah, just give it like an hour. And if like it clicks or not, then, you know, you'll see. Sure. Um, and then uh, the, some other stuff I've been playing um, that game pass for PC came out. Right. And, uh, I was pretty psyched cause there was like at least like six games on there that I was like, Hey, I've been holding off on buying this, but I will absolutely play it on game pass. And, uh, one of them was astroneer.
1: Have you played astroneer at all? Uh, I'm familiar with what it is. Uh, and I've watched a decent amount of streams on it, but I've never played it myself.
0: Yeah. Cause I've been, I've, I watched the no clip documentary on this and right. I was like, Oh, I kind of want to play this. Um, and it's just like another standard like space survival exploration type of thing. But with like uh, great graphics and stuff like that, it, it was like enjoyable. It was a nice, like relaxing game to like play on like Saturday morning and, but it didn't necessarily like, I don't feel the need to keep playing it rather. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you care about like survival games like that at all?
1: Um, I mean, I think to an extent um, if it, Astroneer was definitely one of the games that uh, me and Dodger were thinking about playing sometime in the future, um, but we just haven't really gotten around to it yet. There's, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things coming out right now. Um, yeah, it, it it seems like there's a lot of games like that where it would be fun to kind of just mess around with uh, with friends, mm-hmm. um, but it's not, nece- it's not necessarily a thing where it's like, I want to complete that game. Right, yeah. But like jumping into that world and just screwing around definitely seems like fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the
0: other one I tried out uh, was Full Metal Furies, which is the follow-up game that no one's heard of uh, from Rogue Legacy, the people who made that game. Really? Yeah.
1: Have you even heard of this game? No, I didn't know that they were making another game.
0: <laughs> yeah, it came out last year at some point, and uh, like the reviews were pretty positive for it, but it's like a co-op uh, beat-em-up
1: okay. with like
0: uh like progression system where you can like level up your hero and stuff like that and i tried it out with a few of my friends and it's actually like pretty fucking fun um it's got a lot of so you can like choose like a class like a like a tank or an engineer or a sniper or whatever and each of those classes have like different skills that you can unlock and equip and you go into like certain missions on a map and then you'll kill guys. You'll fight a boss or whatever. You'll get some money that you can take back to your camp and upgrade all your abilities and stuff. So it's got that nice loop of going to a mission, kill dudes, get stuff, upgrade, go back into it. That kind of like really nice addictive loop. Right. And and the the, the gameplay is like super fun. Like you're just going in, you're smashing stuff, and it's not just like brainless. It's like certain enemies will have shields that are color coded to uh, a character on your team. So like the sniper will be orange and they'll have to shoot the orange shield off that guy before your teammates can attack them. So there's a lot of like teamwork that has to actually go in um, instead of just like mindlessly attacking dudes.
1: Interesting. And what's the name of it again? Full Metal Furies. Okay. Yeah. I might have to look into that. I had no idea that the rogue legacy guys were making another game, let alone that it was out.
0: Yeah, no one fucking talked about this game, and it's actually pretty cool.
1: Yeah, is it on uh, on Steam?
0: I think it's on Steam.
1: Okay, you got it through the Game Pass that you said.
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Cool. How uh, how easy is that to like use on the PC? Do you just get everything to the Windows Store or?
0: Uh, so they released like a whole new app. It's like a, in beta right now. Um, you right. have to uh, update to like the newest Windows update or whatever. Okay. Um, but it's just like a standalone launcher type thing. You just. It's got all the uh, all, all the games on your left side that you've installed and then you just click on the Game Pass thing and it's just got all the games listed for you that you can just download. It's even got like a thing that's like, oh, what will you play next? Surprise me and you click on it and it gives you a random game. <laughs> huh.
1: That's that's pretty crazy. I've been thinking about checking that out uh, upstairs in our entertainment room, just grabbing a Game Pass and just seeing what all is on there.
0: Yeah, the it's crazy how good a value this is now, especially the the games they've added recently. Like, it's it's almost like a no brainer
1: (laughs) (laughs) if you're if you're not
0: like someone who just buys every game that you want to play. Like, there's so much good shit on it now.
1: Yeah, I I definitely will start recommending it to people without even playing it. I I want to even jump in and just see a lot of the stuff on there myself.
0: Yeah. Um, aside from Path of Exile, I guess, do you want to talk, do you want to talk about your Path of Exile? It's the new league, right? How's that been going?
1: Uh, yeah, it's Path of Exile. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's the type of game where I've talked about it so much that I don't know if there's anything else to say, but the addiction is still there every single three months. I get super into it. I don't know exactly how many hours this league, but well over 50 or 60 already. Um, I mean, I, I think I achieved that in kind of the first week. Um I only have two characters this league thus far. I don't know if I'll have another one. We've got uh some stuff coming out with uh, Final Fantasy 14 next week for their expansion, so that'll probably take a lot of my uh time once that gets out there, but yeah, Path of Exile is still good. Definitely play it. <laughs> Can you convince me
0: to play it cuz I played it when it first came out. I put like you know 30 hours into it and like enjoyed it but like the combat always just felt kind of clunky and like weird like obviously the depth of the the different classes and shit you can make is like the huge appeal but like just like the act of like playing it seemed like i I remember seeing some headlines like oh this is like we're reworking melee classes and stuff like that like is it much better than it was like four years ago
1: oh yeah it's a completely different game than it was four years ago i I would say it's a completely different game this this most recent recent patch than you know a year ago really the the melee rework is well i say completely different but at its core it's still kind of the same loop but the mechanics and everything are vastly different and it's definitely a type of game that has like a giant wall uh that you have to get past but once you get past that wall it's very easy to get addicted to what's Um, that
0: wall look like
1: i mean i think opening up the skill uh skill grid i guess is what you call it i don't know what that oh, is, right, screen. Right, yeah. that's definitely like the first thing that you it's not necessarily understanding but it's it's really about how to manipulate it um but like most of the time you just like pick a a,
0: a guide right and just follow that
1: yeah yeah they, they they definitely have an issue when it comes to like onboarding new players um they have their own help menu in game but that thing is you know it's a and it might as well be like the Encyclopedia Britannica in terms of it's just so dense and there's so much stuff to learn. Um, and, and so, if you are wanting to jump into it, uh, there's definitely a lot of like what is Path of Exile type uh, videos out there from people like Ziggy D, uh, StarCraft, uh, Z- Zizarin on, on YouTube. They kind of all have their own little welcome to Path of Exile videos, and it's a good place to start. Those videos in themselves are, you know, 40 minutes long, which is kind of indicative of what you're getting into. Um, but yeah, once you kind of understand and can start to do things on your own, you can kind of start to, you know, learn what you want to learn and learn what you need to learn for that specific character. And then start another character two weeks after that or however much time you want to put into it and have to learn a whole new thing, uh, which, you know, some people are super into and some others, some people are not. Um, but it's, it's, it's a great thing. Uh, it's just would, very, very dense and very tough to get into.
0: I would imagine it's like a godsend for a Twitch streamer like you to just have this endless game that you can play. Like, eh, nothing's grabbing me right now, so I'm just going to go play Path of Exile for six hours.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. And and the, the nice thing is it refreshes every three months, right? Like a new league right. comes out, everything gets set back to zero, all the currency and everything is lost. So it, it is the hype is there every three months because everyone gets excited when all that stuff gets reset. Um,
0: and it also has like the advantage of because there is you know 400 different builds you can do like the, starting a new league is exciting because you get to do something new whereas like if you're playing Diablo 3 it's like well if i start a barbarian i there's like two different sets i can use and that's it
1: right right yeah the the amount of things that you can do are kind of endless and and there's so many different options uh, in terms of gear in terms of gems in terms of the links in terms of you know, the entire uh, spec tree and time in terms of like ascendancy that you can do, in terms of pantheon that you can do. Like there's a lot of stuff to to really uh, spec a character out, uh, which can create some really cool things for sure.
0: Fuck, are you gonna get me to play Path of Exile? Don't do this.
1: I mean it it, it <laughs> it's up to you. like I'm not I'm not saying that you need to, but no, it's a no, game where you're just like if you have some time to kill, it's a great way to kill that time. Oh man. Maybe, maybe I'll
0: just, maybe we'll just, you know, dip my toes in while I'm watching like LCS this weekend, you know, just
1: give it's, it a, just give it a try. Maybe I'll install it. Yeah. It's the perfect game to put on Netflix or, or watch a Twitch stream or any of that. Um, for sure. You can also play the console versions. I don't necessarily recommend it. Uh, the PC versions. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the PC versions far and away better, but, the Xbox and PS4 both support it. Uh, I if didn't even know it was on to. console. Yeah, yeah. They've done an okay job with it. I know that it definitely has a lot of players, but the PC version is, is definitely the the best way to do it. That's funny. Um, I just want to pick
0: your brain about a few more topics before we, before we end the show. Sure. Uh, have you seen this? You've talked about, have you played Dota, Dota Auto Chess in any of those guys
1: Yes, I played the modded version of Auto Chess uh, within Dota Two, but I have not played Underlords or Teamfight Tactics or whatever it's called or the mobile version of Auto Chess yet.
0: Yeah, because that uh, that Team Fight Tactics man, that's that's the one that's for me. Because I've been eyeing Dota Auto Chess, and I'm like, this seems like a Warcraft Three custom map. This seems right up my alley. I like, I want to I want to play this thing, but I don't like I don't. Like the look of Dota two, I don't really care for like the like the scrappy UI of like the mod where it's like has some shits in like Chinese, <laughs> from what I saw of like some early footage and stuff. So I'm like right. when when the League of Legends uh, version of this like started getting talked about, I'm like, okay, this will be my my nice entry point. And so the 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 PBE version came up this week and all the all the streamers and everyone started playing it. And so I've been just been like devouring that content and and watching all that. And um, I unfortunately, you have to have a Honor 3 level account in League of Legends, even though I've been playing League of Legends since fucking 2013. Apparently, it's not good enough what, what does
1: honor three mean is that like a it's standing some, like good standing or it's some like bullshit thing they introduced
0: like a few years ago where like at the end of each game you can like give someone an honor like oh they were tilt proof or oh they were a team player like some yeah, bullshit okay. that if you just play a whole bunch you just level that up but anyways it, it'll go live next week and, I, and i'm ready to just really play some of that shit
1: yeah and the streams that you've watched are you able to I, the reason that i think the that i enjoyed the dota version of it was because that i understand dota's heroes and i understand kind of uh at a right. glance what those heroes could do in something like auto chess are you able to do something like that in the league of legends version
0: yeah so like i i played dota back in the day in warcraft 3 but just like whenever league of legends came out i'm like oh this fixes a lot of <laughs> things I didn't like about Dota and so I never really went back to Dota 2 and so I don't know a lot of those characters anymore and so like when it's all League of Legends characters I'm like I've been watching the esports for this for 8 years now so I know everything so it's it's a lot easier to just be like okay that's Vayne she's going to do her silver bolts attack like I it's a lot easier to parse uh kind of like what it, everything is going on
1: Sure yeah that makes sense I I, I feel like there's like pretty similar um yeah they're all
0: really similar
1: yeah so it's it's really gonna just boil down to like do you enjoy dota well then you should play underlords do you enjoy league we should play team fight tactics so
0: and and it certainly seems from what i've seen on like the streams like it definitely seems like a beta version of that like there's a lot of uh weird shit that just like doesn't work or is like kind of wonky so and it seems like everyone is kind of just like Oh, they're going to do theirs. Oh, we got to release ours now. And oh, shit, we got this mobile thing going and then it's going to come to Epic Game Store later. Like, there's just so many people are like, we got to get our auto chess out right now and right. Uh, see who wins.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Uh, I think with MOBAs right now, like, I don't necessarily have the data to back this up, but I feel like the interest in MOBAs is starting to wane uh, over the past couple of months. And so. Things like auto chess is definitely a way to capitalize and getting people back into the game because it's a pretty easy thing to say like, yeah, I don't really feel like playing auto chess, but maybe I should check out like normal ass league right now and see if I want to jump back into that. Right. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: Like even though like Dota and league aren't really being talked about in like in terms of like oh fucking three million players ha- playing right now like it still seems like there's just a lot of people still playing those games at least in terms of league it's all china
1: right <laughs> like, right well i mean china's, china's playing shooter, everything right? <laughs> yeah
0: china's fucking huge yeah so like it's like it's weird how those games just kind of keep plugging along they're, they're not they're not dying
1: yeah yeah and I, I think you'll start to see like fortnite and PUBG uh kind of do the same thing right like a lot of people start to talk about how Uh, And and even Apex Legends, I think people start to talk about how, you know, they haven't touched that game in years, but there's still going to be a shit ton of people playing it, regardless.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting because everyone's like, oh, these games are all going to die because that's what happened in the past, right? Like, a game is popular for a year or two and then it goes away. But it seems like there's kind of room for everyone, and even if like something's not like the most popular thing it's still going to have an audience and you know a player base that can saturate it and and enjoy it you know
1: yeah yeah definitely uh and then the last thing why don't you have a dog (laughs) uh a lot of it has has to do with aaron's traveling um right and so when when she's out for you know a week or sometimes longer than that it becomes kind of my uh, responsibility, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely not something that I'm willing to take on right now. Um, and so I think once, uh, either the schedule start to die down or it is something that I'm super interested in and, and, you know, on a daily basis and kind of taking care of a dog is, is definitely something that is a, uh, I mean, it's effectively a small kid, right? So right. Uh, whenever I feel like that's something I, I want to start taking uh, responsibility for, then we definitely will. Um, but we're not not 100% certain when that'll actually occur just yet. <laughs>
0: just, just get the dog, JP. Come on, just do it. You'll love it. See.
1: Keep posting those freaking GIFs on Twitter. and <sighs> Yeah. The Dodo, man, they, they have some good stuff there. That's a good Twitter account for sure. All right. Well, is there anything else you would like to say at the end of the show, JP?
0: Uh, No, thanks for having me on. I had a good time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us. We'll be back in some indefinite number of weeks. Bye-bye.